You're listening to Neurodiversity at Work. Welcome to today's episode, sponsored and powered by Dynamis Group. Recently honoured to be part of 300 years of leadership and innovation. We at Dynamis believe that business is a catalyst for positive impact in the world. By building a bridge between the top leaders of today and the brightest leaders of tomorrow. We inspire them to do things they have never done before. Clinton, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to our favourite place to be of the whole week, talking with incredible people about my favourite subject, neurodiversity. Isn't it brilliant? Really pleased to have you on. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Let them know who you are, what you do, what you're about. I my I am Clinton Jordan. <laughs> my name is <laughs> backwards there. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a motivational vocal coach, and I help people to find their voice. In a nutshell, all walks of life, finding their voice from children all the way to people in corporate world all over. Amazing, like it, just like that. So, so you know, part of the reason why we got, uh, why we connected is um, because we shared some messages on LinkedIn, uh, and I was fascinated. First of all, you connected with me via voice, which was nice, um, and and you left me some voice messages via the, the option on LinkedIn. Um, but what really kind of intrigued me is your background. I mean, I'm from uh, originally from kind of a, a performing arts, uh, artistic background. Um, uh, and then when we started to interact and, uh, and communicate, you start to share some things that fascinated me around kind of neurodiversity and uh, some people you connected with and uh, the fact that you saw excellence. Oh, it was with the in- initial connection, right? Because I love to try and show neurodiversity in a positive context, right? Um, because it, for too long, it's been a negative, you know, what's wrong with people rather than um, what, what they can bring to the table. So just share a bit of that, share a bit of that early insight, you know, what neurodiversity means to you um, and, and some of those things that you started to share with me across that communication. Yeah, I mean, um, I've, I've always had this, this, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, um, I, I was always thinking to myself, is there something wrong with me? That was the statement. And that you, you heard it from other people or, you know, other um, adults at the time, there must be something wrong with him or wrong with her. And um, I started to, to kind of use that label for myself. Um, being a tongue-tied kid um, when I was younger, I, was, I felt like I was always, you know, trying to catch up, underdeveloped, um, dyslexia, um, um, you know, has a, had a massive part to play. So, you know, not only could I, you know, stuttering and stammering all over the place, but I couldn't get the words on the page either. 
And so, you know, it blocked up a whole host of ways of communicating with people. Um, Discalculate, you know, all of these kind of things that were hitting at that time. And and um, not to mention that, okay, let me, I'm saying stuff in my head, which I should be saying out loud in order. <laughs> so I do this back to front thing. So I, being a, being a creative, um, you know, fell in love with music at a very, very young age. And, uh, you know, our parents had us, you know, singing in living rooms as part of cultural performance. You know, you just sing in the living room, you know, sing for us. And we'd sing and we'd, yay. And so from there it developed, we developed this kind of love for communication via music, um, which is very, you know, it's, it's not as, as, as much as it used to be back in the day um, in terms of families interacting via singing. Um, so I had a love for the stage, my love for performing, not the stage, but performing in a, in, a, in a forum, in a space where it was empty, whether it be a stage or whether it be just a family gathering or a christening or a wedding or whatever, always doing something like that. But there was one side of me that made me very, very kind of, um, kind of insular, made me, not insular, what's the word I'm looking for, an introvert. But I was like, wait a minute, I'm on the stage at one point. I mean, and all of a sudden, as soon as I came off, I'd go into this massive shell. And, you know, it's, I think you know, now I just put it down to being an ambivert. But the things that I, I um, was trying to cope with, with trying to speak and hold a conversation with people and, you know, dyslexia and all of those things caused me to have these kind of two different worlds where I'd be really, really extra if I'm in front of loads of people. As soon as I come off, I would just shell up. And so, um, yeah, I always felt like I had to, um, I, I had two different identities. I think that's why I, I really kind of fell in love with the character Superman. Because he was very shelled up and then all of a sudden... Um, yeah, so I would hide my, what was so-called what was wrong with me under an identity and um, and any time I could get an opportunity to to demonstrate my strengths, then the cape would come out. But then only, but it was when someone said to me, um, and I think it was when I was having an English lesson, and we were talking about my my dyslexia. Um, the, the the teacher said to me, dyslexia is an island of weaknesses, or island of weakness beg your pardon, surrounded by a sea of strengths. I'll say it one more time. Dyslexia is an island of weakness surrounded by a sea of strengths. And it, it really, I mean, it, that set me free because I, everything that I, any information I took in was jumbled up, whether it was numbers, words, and then music too, reading scores. And, um, and it was only when my, my mentor, a doctor of ethnomusicology, said to me that, you know, you, it's, like a, it's almost like a dyslexia with music. You, you can't... But my other skills of processing would kick in. So that statement, dyslexia is an island of weaknesses surrounded by a sea of strengths, really did change my understanding of what I am and who I am and what I have and what I contain. And I, I just said, well, it's... This is part of the superpower of being me. And so I, was, I would flip those things on its head and say, well, that's just my superpower. 
and I'm going to be the best in what I can be and be honest about having those things. And I think that's hard when you're a kid, trying to be honest when other people are trying to process you in the, in, at the same time. And so, yeah, that's my journey of um, understanding you know, neurodiversity in, in, in my own world, you know? That's amazing. I love the, um, the, the analogy of, of an island. Um, and I, I think it's, it's not seen in that way. That's the problem. So to have somebody, and I, I think I, uh, I watched a video of somebody who um, constantly tapped their leg and somebody handed them, a teacher handed them a drumstick, right? And they went on to become a drummer, right? There's a video online. And, and they, there's a picture of them with the teacher going, thank you so much for seeing what other teachers saw as annoyance as a strength and an opportunity. And rather than saying, stop doing it, here's a drumstick, keep doing it, <laughs> but, but, but do something powerful with it, you know, create some incredible music. And uh, I think you, too often we don't see enough of that, right? We see people focusing on that negative aspect. Yeah, um, 100%. Um, you know, music saved me um, because it allowed me to express in those other worlds, whether it was literacy or numeracy. Um, it allowed me to be able to um, find the correlation, find the relationship between other intelligences. Um, music intelligence is a high intelligence and very few people um, on the planet have it as one of their fore forefront intelligences. Yet it, it, it crosses over all of the other intelligences, all of them. Yeah, you you pick them. You know, in, in, you know, music is the is the expression of maths, and whether it's for a waltz, whether it's for um, um, a square, um, whether it's you know time signatures, pitching, you know, on the time pitch axis, it expresses, you know, every form of other intelligences. It's scientific, it's cultural, it's linguistics. It's so music saved me and gave me a back door into falling in love with learning. And that's another thing that, um, um, you know, in my background when I, when I used to teach in um, um, schools, um, we would go into schools and have workshops. And because you were, you know, typically you were in and out, so you had to make an impact. And... Um, most of the times when we went into schools, the people that gravitated to the music or to the task, and it would be, it would be a hard task, but I'd dress it up as an easy task, you know, um, were the, the neurodiverse children. And, um, and they would take it and take it to, you know, take to, they would push the envelope. If it was practicing a scale, they'd pr but it pushed the envelope. If it was a rudiment, they would push the envelope. If it was um, discovering, I don't know, cross rhythms, they would, they would, um, they would push the envelope more than the children that were, let's say, not neurodiverse. And so I used to say to the children because they didn't have the, the confidence to. Um, sometimes when they first met us, they didn't have the confidence to, you know, demonstrate their abilities. And I'd say, no, you have a superpower. The reason why you're, they'd say, oh, you know, they would hear the same things I did. You know, oh, I don't think I'm good enough or I don't think I'm, um, I, there's something wrong with me. No, 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 no. You have a superpower. And we just got to find how to tap into that superpower. 
and that was really um a really um a great part of my journey as um an educator in in schools amazing well i've just my daughter's just started playing the trumpet and i love that because uh for her i think it's a perfect instrument she chose it so not me but the fact it's it's level of simplicity yet incredible sound and ability to do some wonderful stuff if we think of you know jazz music uh, you know the the types of impact you can make within a group with that instrument is incredible right it, it's powerful powerful instrument but but uh, uh, an easier level of simplicity to get the basics um but i learned the saxophone and uh, it's funny because i could still can't read music i um, would struggle to go and learn uh, tunes like people, other people could learn. But if I could be supported to learn a tune, I would play it like nobody else would play it, right? And ultimately, if you've got a thousand people stood in front of you all playing the same tune, like they're all playing the same tune, right? Who's going to stand out? The person who's going to stand out is the person who takes that tune to some other place. Most other people may not do that, right? They, they're fixated on... This is what I need to do, which is the letter of the law, the music. I follow it. It's nice to have, in my view, people who throw them in they can. And they do it because they can't. I did it because I couldn't follow what I had to do. Therefore, the only way I could do it was to disrupt. Uh, and and do, so do you, see, do you see a lot of this? Is this uh, quite commonplace when, when you're teaching people? Is that disruptive? Does it work? Does it help? How do you support somebody who ultimately may struggle with learning? in that context i i I think that um i think that when time is a a massive key in in these scenarios um particularly when you have a classroom you know of 30 children um, and there are you know there are struggles to be able to do that however um a good teacher will have an eye to be able to, you know, to tailor things in a way that, and I'm only talking from in from my subject in music. You know, we, you know, differentiation by outcome was always um, a, a motto for for um, my ch- my children when I were teaching when I would be teaching them uh, music. So they, we could take, for example, we might, I don't know, we were learning something like Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Blah 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 and what we what I would do because so that everybody had a share into the song, we would split this piece of music, beg your pardon, this piece this piece of music into parts that are palatable for different types of thinking. So if you can do the melody. You could do portion of the melody. Do portion of the melody. If you could do the bass or the, you know, the ostinato. Didn't do the ostinato. If you could do the chords in the mid, in the middle, and it gave a t- it gave a place for people to shine. Now I don't know how you would do that in other subjects, but there is, you know, if we start to have this kind of creative thinking where everyone can take a part in making. I mean, isn't life like that anyway? Isn't isn't that part of, um, you know. When we when we're working with other people, and 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 I think this is the 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 the, the prime message of what you know of neurodiversity is that there is a there is a place for everybody in a project. There's a place for everybody in a mission statement. There's a place for everybody in in a goal or an objective. And I think that, you know 
school is the place that that needs to be, um, you know, shown more and more. Uh, but as this subject grows and grows and it becomes louder and louder, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're gonna, you know, we're gonna bring more new creative ways um, to to allow it to be more inclusive for the neurodiverse. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you say you've noticed, uh, you know, kind of the energy, the commitment, the drive from uh, young people who are neurodiverse. You know, did they? that they often, they show themselves to be better in whatever way that it is, right? And you've seen this and you've recognized this. Uh, and I, if I think about the um, everybody has a part to play, I think what some children struggle with, which is what you've talked about, and young people, and even adults, right, is knowing where their strengths lies, right? Because they get so distracted by their challenges, by their island, that often they don't see the sea of opportunity around them. Uh, and therefore, they go for the wrong thing. If I think of myself as an actor, always going for the big part, when actually my real skill and ability was not in the big part, it was in the smaller part. You, do you see what I mean? Like you've just said with a musical instrument, it might be that you just come in and you play two notes, but, that, but you are going to knock those two notes out of the park, right? The quicker you can understand that you are the person who knocks those two notes out of the park, the quicker you can fly. Sure. Um, sorry, it just made me laugh. I was, I was thinking about when I was asked to join the orchestra in secondary school and um, I was in the percussion section. Couldn't read for toffee. Well, now I know why. And um, <laughs> I'm trying to read this last piece. It's the last two, it's the last bar actually. And I read the bar by, um, back to front. So it should have read, boom, rest, boom, rest. And that boom, the whole orchestra goes, jump. Jump, but I, I read the music back to front, so it, the music actually ended off in this in this concert went jump, jump, <laughs> and I was looking. I was like, I'm really, I'm here. I've landed. I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, my friend said, "You read it the wrong way round." <laughs> and um, I think um, you know we. The reason why I said it is because I'm recognizing how people stand out because I know my own things that I deal with. So I can recognize back to front. I can recognize when things are not in... I can recognize that in people. And that comes from, from my own experiences, but it also comes from a place of empathy. Um, I, you know, I... I'm, I I think that empathy has a massive part to play in understanding people and understanding where they fit. It's all right to have sympathy. Yeah, you can look at the shoes. You can see the shoes and you say, oh, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. But if you don't put your feet in the shoes and feel the groove of the big toe and feel the, 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 you know, where, where the print of the foot is, empathy, then you're never going to know. Now, I think the more empathetic we become the more more empathy we show to people in understanding where they are i think then the more we're going to draw out the best of people and that just goes you know that goes beyond the conversation of, of you know neurodiversity that's just how to understand people um and i think that's been my that's been my thing is okay i went through this thing it may not actually be relative to the way they feel but i can sense that they 
that they want to do their best, but they don't know how to. Let's start asking some questions and, and then seeing who, you know, who we have, who is laboring among us. How do we help them to labor better? How, how do we help them to push through more? How do we help them to conquer? How do we help them to say, you can do it? And empathy, you know, I've met lots of um, people along the way that are te in, in education and, you know, they have no empathy. And, and so they're quick to pull out the labels or they're quick to pull out the, the improper labels. And, um, you know, that will destroy a child. Absolutely. The, um, so I'm just thinking here about the, the challenge we've got with, in society uh, or whatever's happening within school, within the world that we live in. You know, the arts have been squeezed, right? In whatever way you look at it, they've been squeezed. They've been squeezed in the education system. They've been squeezed every other aspect of life. And COVID's not helped either. They've been squeezed there as well. But then we think, so you've mentioned it. I know it about myself. Like, music saved you. The art saved me, right? Absolutely, without a doubt. Failed at school, failed at college. Like, But being able to express myself through the arts was like, it, that was the thing. You're right, learning, engaging with others, feeling like you had a place on this planet, um, being able to channel your energy in a positive rather than a negative way. So that's not, so like we sometimes we forget, we wonder why we're having challenges in schools around neurodiversity, around why more people are seeking diagnosis. We have more challenges within the prison, higher proportion of people in prisons are dyslexic, ADHD. You know, you add all these things up, right? And it's as if, it, Clinton, it's obvious, right? We're seeing it here that the arts are so powerful for being able to allow everybody. We've seen it with the channels on the singing groups, right? The, all the different programs they had about people getting together, choirs to sing, to express themselves. So this is not just around children being able to express themselves in different ways, but it's in adults. But then we also transfer that to the work context around how we're enabling our fellow people, our employees to express themselves in that environment, bringing their whole selves to work. What does that look like? Um, and I think, I think music, I think the arts has an absolutely huge part to play in that. Um, and I think for me, I, I, it's, uh, it's you know you can see um, why we face some of the challenges we face when a lack of focus and emphasis. And sorry, this is me just going, like almost going on a mini rant about um, why why it's so important and why it's so valuable and why it's important we're having this conversation. Basically, what's your perspective on that? <laughs> <laughs> so, I I think all of the above. Um, I mean, I'm talking from a musical perspective. I know that um, people don't bring their best self because they're not in their best state. Um, and if people understood more of themselves, then they would bring more of themselves. Um, you know, if I could, if I could find out who and what I am, and if I could, you know, cut the fat and find that out earlier. I'd be something else more improved earlier. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? And it, we don't have, and you know, education is designed to, to really just give us the things that they want us to have so we can go and do the things that they want us to do and us to go to work. But there is a difference between having a job and having a purpose in my belief. And, and I think that 
you know, there are people out there that challenge that, that status quo. Um, but the place for, for people that, you know, like myself that are in the arts, you know, if I didn't have music, would I be able to arm myself to challenge the status quo? I'm not sure if I would. But because I had something to say and talk about, because I have something that actually helps in so many different arenas, um, you know, socially, um, mentally, you know, spiritually, um, physically, it helps along a number of different ways. Um, if I if I didn't learn that before, then what would I have to contribute? And I think that's the problem: is that when you've got people that are in a place where they don't feel they have to, anything to contribute, yeah, you know, they're thinking that I'm a waste of oxygen. They're going to start thinking that sooner or later, or they'll put their hands to something that they think is purposeful or meaningful, even if it's wrong, because it has purpose. And I think that we got we got to challenge that whole system of saying, well. How do we get people into their purpose? How do we get them in there fast, faster, um, fast enough for them to cut all the wasted years? And I know that's a bigger, it's a bigger conversation than just here. But that's what I faced when you know when I was in my English classes and everyone was zooming past. That's what I faced when I was in my maths classes and everyone was zooming past. I wanted to, I wanted to learn maths so badly, and but I just didn't have the the focus um, to to do that, but I had the passion. God's honest truth, I had the passion for maths. But I just, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do it. It's I, I, that is so fascinating because I've not thought about that. I think around my challenges with maths, but I didn't always have the challenges I had with maths. There was a tipping point. I've never thought about it in this way, Clint. You've just You've just got something clear for me. And I'm facing a challenge with one of my children now, right? So this is important. That there was a tipping point. There was a point at where I went from mid-maths to not turning up anymore. And that was the tipping point. The tipping point of where I just thought I can't get it anymore and it's gone beyond me. I can no longer, like, try and hang on. I'm letting go. And that, that's fascinating. I'm like, at what point do people let go and if we can, if we can, if there's an intervention point before people let go, that the impact that we can have, and letting go of maths, like wow, um, and and now I look at my child and think I got to make sure that I don't let them let go, right? I've I put mechanisms in place to support them so that they don't need to become the greatest mathematician of all time. They just they need to decide they want to let go because they no longer want to follow maths as like a subject, not they're forced to, right? Well, the, the other funny thing is, is that some subjects are um, are presented as if it's like a uh, this mandatory thing that you must have, and and whether you like it or not. Now, human behaviour says that when anyone, anytime someone forces anything on someone and says whether you like it or not, you've got to get it, you revolt anyway. And I just find that it's quite um, it's quite sad that certain subjects are are, are presented. Not all the time, but generally in my walk of educational life, I've seen it being presented as some sort of, this is going to be boring. And um, I think there's, you know, there's so many different ways to present stuff. And I think 
now with you know with this awareness i think we're challenged to present stuff differently you know um so we can we can understand um i, I used to teach timetables um just messing around i used to teach timetables through drum rudiments so they would uh, uh, let's say i went ga 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 dum dum so it's da 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 one, two, three, four, five on the floor. So you go, ga da da go dum, ga da da do dum, ga da 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 boom, da 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 But I teach them to feel feel the sound, feel numeracy rather than than process numeracy, as in numbers. I need you in my house right now. Ah, so get them to process. Sorry, <laughs> get them to process like that. Go, ga da da. So they'd hear. So I say, what's the times table? And they would go, one, two, three, four, five, fours. So you're feeling it. So that's numeracy by, by, by your hearing rather than numeracy and music is, the, is, is an expression of maths. So there are other ways of using your senses to, ref, to you know, reason or reflect or discriminate or process other things. And so we used to do that. And then I used to put it faster. Who can tell me this one? And they'd be like, because they're listening to the feeling. Now that, it's because they're using their ears now and they're using rhythm and timing to process maths. There are so many different ways we can, we can break down loads of different subjects. Yeah, and of course, music uh, impacts and affects different part of the brain, right? So you're, if you're listening to music, people can, people can sing where they can't speak, right? Because of the, the way that it uh, connects with the brain. So I think it's incredible to consider um, learning in, through, through drum patterns or whatever it may be, drum beats. Um, I definitely need that in my house, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Music penetrates both hemispheres of the brain without permission. That's how frightening it is. It doesn't need your permission. And that's why you can't get an irritating song out of your head because it doesn't need permission. So it's a, it's a power tool. It's a definite power tool. Brilliant. And I'd see... I, I think it, this is why, um, you know, music, we've, we, I spoke to um, High Contrast and he talked about his synesthesia um, and... You can see in um, and it, like there's enough. Um, Florence Welsh also talks about her um, dyslexia, um, and you could just see so many musical artists. And I remember Lincoln High Contrast said that. Listen, I can see this reflected in many, many music artists who I know. Um, so I think it's clear that that music is a good outlet uh, for expressing yourself, especially if you find challenges in other areas of your life and in um, and in your school. Uh, and it's brilliant to focus it on on the the strengths piece as well. So just tell us a little bit about kind of what's in what what are you planning to do now? What's what's this twenty twenty two look like for you? Right now, twenty twenty two mission is to activate one million voices, and so at the moment um, I had my season of of, of doing um, um, Jordan music workshops for children, and we're now focusing on the adults because um, I found a little correlation well big correlation between adults and children guess what it is they're still children 
<laughs> so, so we're going to discover the child in them. We're going to discover, you know, the, the things that they left behind because their facade said that they need to have this or that um, to 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 be successful in in their business life, their business world, their work life, work world. And um, I want to help people find their voices. It's about singing, but it's not about singing. It's about music, but it's not about music. It's life and um, musical intelligence is, is, is it factors very high in the for the, um, the the well-being of a person. So I just want to get I just want people to be well. Um, and I, I have a number of different situations I've faced with people that um, either you know they 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 feel like they've got the voice of a mouse, but they're in leadership. And they're like, how do I, how did, how did, first of all, how did I get here? Because this is where I remember where I was. And there are those people that didn't even, they blinked and they all of a sudden they're in leadership. But they still carry the voice of this timid person. Help people to understand and, 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 and um, combat shy. Um, shy, is, um, shy is a perspective. Um, and I know that, I know that, um, that character well and so i help them to um to kill the shy monster um and yeah it's, it's brought me to so many different places at the moment and i'm really excited um yeah and yeah you. and 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 how to um bring the inner voice out right so what you said which i find is how on one stage you can feel uber confident yeah you can walk into it and i found this and i can walk into a business room with business leaders, and all of a sudden, I'm I mean, sweating like I'm on a tennis court. I'm sweating like I've just I've been on stages with thousands of people in the audience. I've got eight people in a room, and I'm sweating like the heating is 120 degrees, like that. So, so, <laughs> it, how can you? And, and this is what you're saying, right? How you can bring out that inner confidence that sometimes gets lost in a different situation. Look, you're never gonna you're never gonna get rid of people that are are not for you. You just not. There's always gonna be a room full of person. There's always gonna be one. Um, the best way I I, I I lead my life is to be just honest about who you are. Be honest about what you bring. You make your mission. Your mission is 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 what you carry. And you know, I, I remember hearing this: if your why is big enough, your W H Y, your why is big enough. Your how will follow. Yeah. If your why, if your mission statement, like your mission statement is very potent, is very passionate. If your mission state is so potent and passionate, there will be people in the room that will be your how. And if you rearrange those words because of my dyslexia, it turns into who. Yeah. And that's really, you know, your why. Drive your why. Your, the people will turn up. And the, the 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 solutions will turn up also, and I am confident that I don't have all the answers, but I'm confident that I want them, and so because of that why, because I want to have those answers, and this is my mission statement, this is what I want to do, I'm confident the people that will join me on this tangent, like yourselves, we we move, we you know we find each other will help us grow into the people that we not want to be, but we need to be. Um, and, you know, just, you know, when you went into that boardroom or wherever it was, 
I think you need to flip it on your head because you have some things that they don't have. Yeah, and and um, it's just you're presenting it in a different way. And I I love I I love the fact that I am I'm intrinsic. I'm different, and I have these things that happen. I have bad handwriting because I'm left-handed and I've been pushing the pen wrong for a long, pushing the pen hard. You know, that's another tilted table, but that's another story. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, well, I'm just going to celebrate those things because without those imperfections, without those those road bumps, in, then I wouldn't be me. I wouldn't have a different perspective. I wouldn't have another way of looking at things. And that's how I see... Um, that's how I see dyslexia. I think it was, what, what film was it now? Um, um, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. I don't know if you've seen that film. Good film. It's like on, I think it's in Greek mythology or something. And the kid in there has dyslexia. But what he didn't realize is actually it's a superpower. It literally was a superpower given from the, the, the Greek gods or something like that. And when he looked at the um, cryptic writing that was this kind of you know old writing from some ancient time. It would look like it's back to front, but because of his dyslexia, it would switch it around, and then the answer would come out. Well, I kind of I kind of see uh, my dyslexia as that, and I think it actually it actually fuels and strengthens my feeling, uh, my my thinking, because where people are thinking in a particular way, maybe they might be thinking linear. I'm not thinking linear. I'm thinking in, in, in. I'm thinking back to front. I'm thinking from side to side. I'm looking at it from perspectives, and I think that's what I personally think. Be, my belief is what dyslexia brings me—a different perspective. Awesome. Listen, Clinton. I love your why. I love your purpose. I'm big advocate for for what you're looking to achieve as a mission in 2022. And I will support you in any way I can. Big believer uh, in what you're doing there. So um, let's collaborate. But anyway, but before we do that, just want to thank you for, for coming on today. Um, really appreciate it. And uh, very excited no problem, by what you're going to be doing uh, this year. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. You've been listening to Neurodiversity, Eliminating Kryptonite, Enabling Superheroes. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can like, share, comment, find us anywhere on any good podcasting host. You can also do some further reading up and buy my book, uh, co-authored with Professor Amanda Kirby, neurodiversity at work you can get it on amazon with kogan page our publisher and pretty much any other good bookstore enjoy look forward to your feedback and keep listening to the show thank you